Hello and welcome to the Wilder podcast, previously the Authentic Connection podcast. My name is Laura and I am so excited to get back into these podcast episodes. We're into our season three. In the past year, I have officially launched my business, Wilder Wellness. I offer nutrition services and also teach yoga in Raglan and Hamilton. If you haven't already, I would love for you to check out my website, have a little look around, check out my workshops. I've got some online nutrition workshops there. The URL for my website is wilder, W-I-L-D-R.nz. And send me a message on Instagram to let me know your thoughts. I'm at Wilder Wellness and would love to hear what you think. For the first episode of season three, I'm incredibly excited to bring you an interview with Joanne Bissett. She's a good friend and a colleague of mine. She's a qualified naturopath, but had also done a little bit more training and just started to dive a little deeper into really emotions and how emotions can impact our physical health. I'll let her dive into that and explain that a little deeper for you, but yeah, it's a pretty cool realm to be looking into. Very interesting. I obviously focus a lot on lifestyle factors and nutrition with my clients, but I do know that emotional residue, whether it's really, really old from childhood or even just day-to-day emotional residue can have a really significant impact on physical health. Sometimes you're doing everything right and it's still not, you know, your health still isn't where you want it to be. So that's where maybe diving into the emotional side could be useful. I'll leave it there today and let Joanne take it from here. So let's get on into my interview with Joanne Bissett. Hi, Joe. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Cool. So we will confess this is actually our second attempt <laughs> at this interview, but you know, it takes time to get these things right. So love to start with people's journey. In your own words, how have you ended up on this path that you are now on? Yeah, so it's been a long journey, I guess. Probably a key point was starting out my career as a corporate lawyer, but I was sitting at my desk as a junior lawyer. I'd made it to one of New Zealand's top law firms, and it was the first point that I ever really stopped to think and wonder about what it was that I wanted to do with my life and just kind of ask myself how on earth did I actually get there? And the answer to that, I guess, was that I had kind of made my decisions of what to study at uni based on, you know, being good at English at high school and just doing things to make my mum proud. So always kind of looking for that external validation. But by that stage, my mum had passed away. And so I didn't have that source of external validation anymore. I needed to answer to myself. So that was kind of a turning point, I guess. And even at that stage, I knew that I wanted to go and study natural medicine, but it was another eight or so years before I actually, oh no, maybe six or seven years before I actually took the steps to go and follow that. So I did a lot of travel and got really into yoga, trying to understand who I was a little bit better. So that kind of journey of self-discovery and went through a lot of my own kind of traumas and challenges 
And then everyone around me as well seemed to be struggling with anxiety and mental health issues. I was working as a lawyer in London and I went to this weekend course and kind of set this goal that, okay, it was time to enroll to study natural medicine. And I made this game plan that I was going to start studying part-time while I was working as a lawyer. And then as chances have it, I went to work on Monday and the company that I was working for was going into administration. So I was kind of got this gentle little nudge to follow that. And so I was living in London and my visa was dependent on working for that company. So visa was getting cancelled. So I had to come back to New Zealand, had a couple of options. I could go back and work in a corporate law firm. Or like do yeah, corporate law firm or work in-house in New Zealand or I could commit to studying full-time. So that's what I did. studied naturopathy and became a naturopath. But then even through being a naturopath, I saw that, you know, so much of physical illness is caused by stress. And a lot of the time what's underneath that stress is these unprocessed emotions. So the point I'm at now is that I help people process those emotions that are causing stress. And yeah, so that's been kind of a 10 or 11 year journey to get to this point. Wow, I didn't realize that timing with your decision that you made around wanting to leave law and then the company, actually. Yeah. Just like that. (laughs) It was perfect. The universe just delivered you exactly what you needed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just needed that little loving nudge. (laughs) Cool, cool. Why do you think you mentioned, like, it was only once you got into law that you actually were like, hold on, you know, how did I end up here? What, What am I doing and what do I actually want to do? I suppose I'm sort of asking almost a bigger question. Why does it take us so long? Like, why are we not taught that in schools to, like, slow down and make these decisions properly? Like, what do you think? Or do you think it's just social pressure? I think probably partly social pressure, but also, like, always just making that little the decision for the next step ahead. So, Mm. you know, high school, you're deciding which subjects you're going to do. And then when you finish school, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to uni. What am I going to study? And... So when I was enrolling to study law, I wasn't actually thinking about becoming a lawyer at the end of it. Yes. And so then when I was, when I was a lawyer, there wasn't kind of that next step there that I was sort of aiming towards. And so it was only then that I was like, oh, is this even what I want to be doing? And I didn't know what being a lawyer was like. And mm. yeah, it wasn't until I was actually that I, that I was like, how would I have never kind of thought about this bigger vision or this long term view mm. until I got there and didn't have that next step lined up mm. that I started to reflect on it. Mm. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> and the external validation, how's that journey been with trying to switch up, looking for validation externally to internally? Yeah, so that was a pretty big journey of even figuring out what my needs were, what my, mm. like how to, put in place boundaries, what my interests were, what was important to me, figuring out my values. So all of that has been yeah, a huge journey of self-discovery. And for me, yoga has been like a really important part of that journey to tune into myself. Used so many different tools and techniques to, <laughs> to kind of discover a little bit more about who I am and clear away all of the other clutter and chatter of other people's perspectives and things like that. So now I have a pretty good sense of yeah who I am and what I care about but it's always that process of coming back to myself and checking in with myself and not getting distracted by what other people think Mm. yeah cool cool okay let's chat about emotions now and I suppose how you know like some people would be a little bit skeptical that our emotions can actually affect our physical health yeah do you want to break that down a little bit for people yeah sure 
So when we're stuck in survival mode, when we're under stress, that creates, well, yeah, I guess it's pretty well established, right, that stress can cause physical health conditions. And stress can come from lots of different sources, but one of them is definitely from these unprocessed emotions. And so when we're stuck in those survival emotions of anger, sadness, shame, that actually stimulates the release of cortisol, which Mm. is one of our stress hormones. Mm. And it also just keeps the nervous system in that fight or flight state. And so when we're stuck in fight or flight, our body can't get into that rest or digest where it does a lot of the kind of healing and rejuvenation. So yeah, emotions play a big part in in our health because like largely because of that, keeping the stress response turned on. Mm, mm, mm. And so why don't emotions get processed in the first place? Yeah, good question. But I think sometimes it's because we're too busy. If we're going through a stressful period, we don't have the time to stop and sit and process them. Part of the reason is because we're not taught how to process our emotions. Mm. I certainly wasn't. No. (laughs) Growing up, I had no idea. It's only recently that I've learned how to do that. And yeah, partly because it can be really uncomfortable to sit with these emotions. And then also because, and this is something that I did for a really long time, is that we tend to intellectualize our emotions. Mm. So we try to understand them and, you know, we might be like, I'm angry because this has happened to me or whatever it is. But it's not until we can actually sit there and feel through the anger or express that anger that we can actually move through it. So yeah, definitely one to over intellectualize the emotions, but you have to actually go through the process of feeling it for that to kind of move through and be mm. completed. Mm. Yeah, I was definitely a classic. I even call myself slightly jokingly an ex-busy person. Like yeah. <laughs> the busyness would have been the, yeah. the, the distraction that I yeah. pulled in to stop or prevent me from feeling the emotions. Totally. Yeah. I reckon busyness is a bit of a classic one for, yeah. probably for our generation but possibly everyone yeah cool so I suppose the next question is yeah what what would be you say sort of the busyness and the intellectualizing prevents us from feeling our emotions what does feeling our emotions look like <laughs> yeah and so feeling happens in the body yeah um, not in the mind so yeah it's being able and a, a big part of it is that the body has to feel safe for you to do that. So mm-hmm. it can be really uncomfortable to sit with the different emotions. But it, like for some clients, it can be really useful if there is a lot of anger to do something like use a punching bag, mm-hmm. go to those exercise classes where you actually get to get some of the aggression out mm-hmm. or can feel a little bit silly to start with. But like if you're driving on your own in a car in the motorway, like actually screaming or yelling, mm. like as long as you're not harming anyone, that's a really useful way to get anger out. And then things like sadness is, yeah, just being able to sit with it, let any tears come up. Tears can be really healing. Shame can be a little bit more complicated. Sometimes using journaling can be really helpful just to help process whatever's going on. But the main thing is to be able to yeah, just feel it in the body and using the breath can be really, really helpful to mm. just keep the body feeling safe enough to allow these things to to move through Mm. Mm. cool what what does it look like for somebody if they do have unprocessed emotions or a sort of system that's stuck in fight or flight yeah so it can look different um, for everyone and there's kind of four main ways that unprocessed emotions can show up and that's either mentally emotionally physically or in our behaviors and so mentally it's your things like anxiety and depression or any kind of like limiting beliefs and low confidence as well emotionally it can look like overwhelm which 
we're kind of seeing a lot of at the moment with just the kind of stress of the past couple of years mm. all of that emotional stress has accumulated and we're reaching this point of kind of overwhelm and burnout and then physically which is what i would see a lot in my work as a naturopath is that there'd be hormonal imbalances or gut issues even things like autoimmunity were yeah key sort of things that have a lot of emotional stress involved in them and then in terms of behavioral ways that it can show up it's things like people pleasing or you know, using these distraction techniques or overworking all these types of things mm. yeah i'm sure there's um something that we can all resonate with <laughs> now, it's a yeah. big wide-ranging sort of <laughs> yeah. collection of symptoms isn't it? So. yeah yeah and that's the thing right like most of our behaviors are actually driven by the subconscious mind only mm-hmm. about 10 percent of our behavior is driven like we only consciously make about 10% of our decisions at the other 90% of our behaviors and decisions that we make throughout the day are driven by our subconscious mind. And so our emotions have a huge, huge influence over that. So it, yeah, our emotions really touch every area of our lives. And so if we've got all of these unprocessed emotions backed up, then it's going to be influencing all those areas, probably not in a very desirable way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, for some reason, that just made me think of the sort of concept that we don't have any free will. Is that kind of what <laughs> what what you what you're referring to when you think of the subconscious, or is no, that? No, I don't think so. And especially because we can use our conscious mind to go and actually reassess mm-hmm. what's happening in our subconscious mind. And right. We go use the, through. We use the ten percent. Yeah, to impact the ninety percent. <laughs> totally, totally. And yeah, working through your emotions is how you change all of those sort of subconscious patterns as well. So yeah, use the conscious mind to assess the subconscious mind, and we can yeah make any changes that we want to. So when somebody comes to you and they haven't done much work before, say, mm-hmm. yeah. would your general would you generally tend to start with nutritional work? Or start with emotional work, just out of curiosity. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, yeah. if somebody was thinking, "Oh, I don't know where to start. Like, should I start with nutrition, or should I start with the emotions? Maybe yeah. which comes first, chicken or the egg?" Some pro- some practitioners would dive straight into the emotional work, but I, yeah, I think that working through difficult emotions definitely takes its toll on the nervous system so your Mm -hmm. nervous system has to be in a good state to be able to process that so if someone comes to me and they're still really busy still really stuck in that survival mode i probably wouldn't dive deep into you know any kind of childhood traumas or things Mm -hmm. like that so i definitely think it's about meeting people where they're at and there's some nutritional things and um, herbal medicines that you can use to just really support the nervous system in the direction of safety so then you can start to clear away some of the surface level stuff that's happening for them and go into those deeper layers as well Mm -hmm. so yeah at the moment probably i'm getting straight into the emotional stuff with clients just because of the way that i'm approaching it and Mm -hmm. talking with people and the types of people that i'm working with but yeah sometimes i think definitely it's worth just getting people back into a more resourceful state so that mm. they can actually work with the emotions. Yeah, so that's that concept of safety again, I suppose. Yeah. Would you have some suggestions around how people can cultivate safety in their day-to-day life? Anything that's going to be looking after the nervous system, so any kind of breath work or mm. you know, stopping a few times a day to have to take some deep breaths can be really useful. So yeah. like restorative breath work, yeah. not like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I only work with restorative breath work just because it's my preference. Well, I mean, obviously all breath work is breath work. Yeah. But the first thing I think of is like, mm-hmm. you know, holotropic sort of breath work. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, yeah. no. 
yeah so any kind of gentle breath work deep breaths throughout the day any kind of you know walking in nature those types of things getting really good sleep good nutrition all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. any like good relationships putting in place good boundaries <laughs> i was gonna say boundaries does boundaries fit in here what yeah. is this, what does that look learning how to like, say to no yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah just taking that time to even if you've got a really busy day, just creating those little moments throughout the day where you can have that sanctuary, where you can recognize that actually there are those areas of safety that you can have in your life. Any kind of like gratitude practice can be really useful as well. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. And then, I mean, for me, I'm really sort of, well, find it really good to create physical spaces of safety yeah. as well. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. even in terms of like back against the wall and yeah. like that sort of stuff. <laughs> Do you have suggestions around that? Oh, I haven't really thought about that that much, actually. But, you know, even getting all snuggled up in bed, anywhere where you feel safe, like taking that time to be in that space mm. and really feel into it can be useful. Yeah, there's like those weighted yeah. blankets <laughs> that just made me think of the weighted blankets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of different strategies. Yeah. Cool. I suppose just because it's relevant for me. Yep. <laughs> how have you found, I suppose, starting your own business? And, and I kind of want to tie that into or interested on your perspective in how that has related to like you embracing vulnerability. Yeah. Oh, okay. And just hit me with the big question there. There's That's lots, what we're here for. Lots, lots to unpack there. Yeah. Anything that is new in our life, our subconscious mind registers change as a threat. So mm. change, whether it's good or bad, triggers our stress response. And so, yeah, there's a lot to work with when you're having these big changes in your life to actually help your nervous system feel safe and to kind of expand into that new way of being. So for sure, starting a new business, it brings up all of the vulnerabilities, all of the limiting beliefs, like everything comes up to the surface. And I'm not sure if I've made the joke with you before that, you know, if you want to sign up for personal development, go and start a business because yeah, putting yourself out there, it, it, definitely brings stuff to the surface. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. And like, what if this doesn't work? All of that kind of stuff. So yeah, for me, I actually got some support with this to help me process some of the emotions that were coming up. So not actual business support. You literally just got yeah. specific help with the emotions that were coming up yeah. in relation to starting a business. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. My kind of perspective on everything is that you've got to do the inner work to be able to grow externally mm. in your business or whatever it is the goal that you're working on and so I was recognizing that I was having these blocks and so yeah I worked with a practitioner named Kamaya Petty she's amazing she's a havening practitioner and yeah she's helped me with a lot of that stuff and so like for example one of the things that was coming up was that I had this really nasty inner voice in my head and I stopped and I was like, you know what? This voice sounds exactly like my brothers did when I was a child. The Mm. the nasty things that they would say to me, like, call me a loser, all these things. I was like, wow, this this is actually a voice from my childhood. Mm. And so we went back and we did some um, emotional processing around those events from childhood. And it just, it was a huge weight off my shoulders and just helped me to have a lot more belief in myself because before there was just this real block of just being like not believing that I could make this business work and all of these sorts of things. So obviously there's more layers as well, but that was a really significant layer for me to remove that, to get some of those nasty voices out of my head. (laughs) And so 
I suppose was it was that a couple of sessions worth of work? I'm interested to know how how that processing was. It just one yeah. session was as soon as you worked out exactly what yeah. it was. Was it quite yeah. easy? Well, not easy. I don't know. Yeah. If that's the right word. <laughs> well, I've got two brothers, so there were two sessions, <laughs> right? But no, there were there there are other relationships as well that we were working on, and and like it's awesome to go go back and clear those kind of negative experiences, but then also to we do a lot of work as well around what I want my future to look like as well. So we can start to work to, towards that. But yeah, all of this is kind of aimed at bringing that safety into the body as well. And just like helping the nervous system to feel comfortable with the uncertainty of, of starting business and kind of stepping out and doing all these things. So yeah, yeah, it's been a huge learning experience for me. Mm. Yeah. I feel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I always am interested, and also we've talked about how business has kind of forced you to embrace that vulnerability, but yeah. another thing that's changed in the last year for you is, is sort of a serious, intimate relationship in yeah. your life as well. Yeah. Would you mind talking us through that, how that's helped, how that's hindered, what, what's what been going on there? And Yeah. Yeah, so that one was also a huge challenge, and there was a lot of healing that um, needed to happen around that as well. So before getting into this relationship, I'd been single for about 10 years and you know it was keeping myself safe by not opening up and being vulnerable to someone else but also it was something that I really wanted to have in my life so I'd done a lot of healing work before getting into this relationship and you know like probably had the perspective that you know I needed to be completely healed before getting into a relationship with someone else but that's absolutely not reality so yeah got into this relationship a very kind man and turns out that when you feel safe a lot of your crap can come up to the surface as well so I guess that was last year's thing <laughs> this year it's business but mm. last year was letting all those things come to the surface around relationships which always go back to you know the foundations that were set in childhood the way that we were parented and the beliefs that we got from our parents and and even observing our parents relationships so my parents divorced when I was sort of six or seven mm-hmm. so didn't really have the best role models for relationships from that getting into a new relationship can also be uh, <laughs> and a lot of stress and being able to have those really uncomfortable vulnerable conversations yeah like my attachment style is anxious attachment anxious avoidance so you know when there would be something kind of challenging that would come up in the relationship my natural inclination would be to bail or be like I don't really care about this like you know but I reached a point where I was like actually you know I'm in this committed relationship and whenever I notice myself pulling away I get to I get to notice that and to actually lean in and yeah feel like work my way through the discomfort and kind of recommit to that and work through it together rather than yeah trying to trying to run away (laughs) which can feel like the easier option sometimes so yeah it's been super challenging but obviously really really rewarding kind of just continued to grow our relationship and it's something that we're committed to working on Mm -hmm. Um, cool you mentioned that the the sense of safety Mm -hmm. was what actually brought the brought everything out was that right yeah Yeah, so i guess the last relationship that i'd been in more than kind of 10 years ago was a very chaotic relationship. And so this new relationship felt very different from that. There wasn't the same kind of hot and cold that there had been in the previous relationship. And so this was a really new sensation for me. And yeah, my current partner, he's very consistent. <laughs> and, you know, I might be a bit irrational, but he's very much there for me. And that 
felt really uncomfortable because it was different from what I knew. And so I guess in any kind of healing as well, um, especially around emotional release is that the body has to feel safe mm. for those things to come to the surface. Right. Yeah. And so like the, I guess the nervous system has to be in a state where we can actually sit with it and feel it. Otherwise we kind of just go into shutdown mode or, mm. or push it down. So yeah, when I was in the safe relationship, it created that space for those mm. things to come to the surface that had been pushed away, pushed down for a while. Mm. <laughs> mm. I suppose that makes sense now that you say it like that. But initially mm. I was like, oh, safety should be like safety, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I suppose that's what you mean. The nervous system needs that safety in order to let. Yeah the old stuff come back up yeah yeah otherwise it kind of just goes into shutdown and distraction mode yeah (laughs) cool so i want to go back to yoga actually i know you mentioned actually before we started talking and while we've been talking Mm -hmm. about how that's been important in your journey do you want to just go into a little bit more detail about the how and the what of, of the benefits of yoga yeah, a huge part of the learning for me is that yoga is all about being really present in the body and also clearing away all of the kind of mental chatter that distracts us from who we really are at our essence. So that has taught me a lot. And I got really interested in how yoga can be useful for healing trauma. And a huge part of that is because it allows us to be present within the body. So I use the word trauma, but I think it still holds a lot of relevance for any kind of difficult emotions Mm. that when we experience these difficult emotions, that's when we try and get out of the body. That's when we use the distraction techniques or maybe none with alcohol or um, something like that. So yoga has taught me to come back to the body and when I'm experiencing those uncomfortable sensations is to be able to breathe through it, still bringing that awareness to it, but being able to kind of like slowly dose my way through and work through it. Yeah, so that's been a huge, huge thing for me, probably just kind of the first thing that led me to really think about that kind of mind-body connection and how they Mm -hmm. could influence each other. And I guess, yeah, just the clarity that I have when I practice yoga regularly and just feeling so much more grounded in myself and understanding who I am. Yeah, I don't know. Any specific questions around it? Nah, I suppose that no, that's perfect. That's yeah. exactly what I meant. That I mean, the thing about yoga is it is so popular now. There's so mm-hmm. many different options. There's always going to be a class that somebody will hopefully find at some point in their life, or mm-hmm. a teacher that they'll like. Yeah, because there's so many different options out there now, and it's yeah. so in the mainstream. Whereas, like, I mean, I know it seems really normal to us, but emotional release is still like <laughs> yeah. kind of that next step for people. It's like. Yeah. I'm going to a yoga class is like yep. very normal to just say you, to your friend, whereas yep. I'm going to rub my arms and release some emotions <laughs> yeah. is quite a different kettle of fish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, you know, mental health is, it still holds a lot of stigma, but mm. people are a lot more comfortable talking around that now. But I think emotional health is kind of that next frontier. And I, I do see it being mentioned a little bit more in kind of mainstream situations and, and corporate situations as well. But for a lot of people, they probably don't even know what the difference between mental health is and, and emotional health. And yeah, I think the easiest way to kind of differentiate the two is that mental health is our, our thoughts that happen in the brain, mm. how we talk about it, and then emotional health is, is how we're feeling, what's happening in the body. Mm. Mm. Yeah. One of my jokes, I suppose it's a bit unfair, but when I first started going down the rabbit hole of emotions, yeah. um, I remember asking my partner, 
one evening, you know, we're like sitting down, dedicated time to just like chat. Yeah. And I was like, so how are you feeling? Yeah. And he was like, hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. But that's, yeah. that is a felt sense in a way. I don't know. I mean, maybe particularly for males, it's a hard yeah. sort of jump to go. Okay, sit down. Like, yeah. how am I actually feeling in an yeah. emotional sense yeah and I felt body sense yeah and that that is really interesting and just from my observation of working with clients is that generally women are able to tune into their emotions a lot better and for men what I see is that it can be a lot harder for them to do that and it's kind of like they might recognize that they're feeling stressed but it can be a lot harder to differentiate what that what the emotion is under that and I think, you know, we have these socially acceptable ways of expressing emotions and kind of the only socially acceptable way for men to express emotion is through anger and women are kind of the opposite that it's not socially acceptable for us to express anger. Yeah, right. It is more socially acceptable to at least go and like chat to a friend than kind of let off steam by yeah, by sort of letting it out that way. Yeah. Which is better than not letting it out at all. So, yeah. (laughs) Not maybe not. (laughs) For anybody who's listening who's interested in what a session with you would look like. What, cause I mean, I haven't actually even done a session with you, even yeah. though I have attended to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take us through what a, what a initial first session with you would look like? Yeah. And this is probably something I need to get better at communicating because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are sort of terrified to open Pandora's box and like worried about what kind of emotions might come out. I tend to work with clients for a little bit of a longer period just so that we can actually work on getting clearing away a lot of the sort of old emotions that are no longer serving them but so the first session I always go through a really comprehensive health history because our physical health is really intertwined with our emotional health and it can actually uncover lots of experiences that might be causing a lot of stress at the moment and often it's things that people have forgotten about that are actually really significant for them and so we go through that history kind of pinpoint some different things that might be might need some release we're going to run them and then the next stage is to actually pick one of those things and then decide with the client whether that's what they want to work on that day and then there's two main tools that I use one uses the body the breath and verbal expression to actually go through and process emotions that usually is when there's another person that's been involved in that situation and then the second process is using self-soothing touch to help the body feel really safe and to keep the nervous system feeling safe and we can start to kind of work on the deeper levels of the mind to clear those old limiting beliefs and start to install new beliefs but yeah the session's always going to look different for everyone it's kind of whatever is present at that time there might be something happening in their life in the present day that's kind of triggering some wound from the past and so we can use that as a clue to figure out what what's ready to be released and then yeah depending on what's happening for the client there might be other types of coaching or resources that I might give them which can yeah often look around things like boundaries or Mm. identifying their needs and values or it might be around nutritional support or supplements that can be really useful and then once I've been working with a client for a little while we start to look at more of the kind of goal setting and what we can do to support them to move forward so clear away all of the historical stuff that's no longer serving them and then start to create the future they want. Cool. <laughs> Epic. And so the first session is usually like an hour, an hour and a half. How do you... The first session is two hours. Two hours. Some people might 
we might use that whole two hours to go through a health history. But for most people, there's usually some time at the end where we can start to do what we call a release and clear away some of those emotions or, or process an experience. And I guess the key thing is that when we go back and we process the emotions is that, you know, the client will automatically recognize, like they'll get new insights about what happened and there's often a new level of compassion and understanding for what happened. So, mm. Yeah. Sounds very interesting. Um, what about a book? Oh, yeah, a really good book Ooh. or something you've read okay. recently that you would recommend people to get yeah. into this sort of realm. Cool. So I actually read a really good book the other day. It's called The Source by Tara Swart, S-W-A-R-T. And it, she's a neuroscientist and a psychiatrist. And she's actually the advisor for To Be Magnetic. Oh, yeah. I've heard her name come up in the podcast because yeah. I listened to those podcasts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was awesome. It's, it, it talks a lot actually about how our emotions influence our subconscious mind. And the book is kind of about how it's about sort of visualization well a big part of it is around visualization and i guess a little bit of manifestation because she works with to be magnetic but talking about it from a neuroscience approach of how when we use these emotions combined with visualization it's essentially priming our subconscious mind to look for those experiences mm. that are going to align with that visualization mm. that we've created mm. so it's kind of how to use the subconscious mind uh, mm. for best effect. Yeah, to achieve specific goals. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she talks about lots of amazing concepts in there, so I really love that. Awesome. Wow, that is amazing, Joe. Thank you <laughs> for all that incredible wisdom, and thanks for letting me dig around in my brain. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Those are the words I'm looking for. So, yeah, it's been really awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully there was some sense in here. I get excited about it. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. No, no, no. It was really good to break, break it all down. So, yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I really, really appreciate your time and I hope you've got something out of this episode. I would love to hear what you got out of it, what you thought of the episode. Send me a message on Instagram at wilder, wild with an R on the end, underscore wellness. And yeah, let me know what you thought. All the relevant links will be in the show notes. So feel free to check out all of those things that we mentioned in today's episode. And as always, a reminder to be gentle on yourself, take things slow. Um, I think that there is no way that you can hear that too many times. So take this as your little reminder today. And I'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wilder Podcast.